Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today is Thursday, June 3rd, and as of recording this, the Lakers are eliminated from the playoffs. This will be the first time since 2010 that we'll see an NBA Finals without Steph Curry or LeBron James. Let's get into it and so much more. So we're going to be trying a little bit different of a style with the podcast here. We're going to go with three episodes a week rather than one. We're going to be doing Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday, or I'm going to record Tuesday night, Thursday night, and Sunday night, so you'll probably see it Wednesday, um, what's that, Friday, and then Monday. Uh, I just want to split up the week, let myself be more more on time, more timely with stuff, so I'm not just doing a summary of all the different events. But yeah, let's get into the NBA playoffs that we just saw finish up real quick. We We'll start all the way back at Monday, the 31st. The 76ers lost to the Wizards 122-114. to The 76ers lost Joel Embiid in the first quarter, so you kind of expected that if the Wizards were going to get any game in the series, it was going to be this one. Uh, I predict a new banner in the Wizards arena next year that says, didn't get swept in the first round of the playoffs. Um, they're just the worst team I think everyone expected the 76ers to win. I'm honestly surprised that the 76ers lost one game, but no reason to rush Embiid back when you have plenty of games to close it out. Tobias Harris had 21 points, 13 rebounds, shot 8 for 24, and the team only shot 41.7%. Maybe some of the reason they didn't sweep the Wizards here. Bradley Beal had 27 points, 9 for 23, and Russell Westbrook had one of the most interesting stat lines I've ever seen, especially... Maybe not especially from him, but even from him. 19 points, 21 rebounds, 14 assists, shooting 3 for 19. Um, horrendous, to say the least, but I guess he got it done. Can't really say many bad things about him if they did win. And then Rui Hachimura also had 20 points with 13 rebounds to help the Wizards get an 8-point win. What I did notice was this is the first decent game from the Wizards. The 76ers didn't have Joel Embiid. And they only won by eight. That's not very impressive if you're looking at it as the Wizards. Um, I guess that explains why they did get beat later in the week. We'll get to that. Second game on the 31st, the Jazz beat the Grizzlies 120-113. to 113, And this is just the continuing of what we've seen in this series. The Jazz are the better team. The Grizzlies won the game early, but then didn't really have the same energy to come into the next games and the next games and win those. Um, also another reason why they got beat later in the series. We'll get to that as we continue. Um, Donovan Mitchell had 30 points, 8 for 22 shooting. Not fantastic, but got the job done. Um, the team shot 46%, and Jordan Clarkson had 24 points as well. Jaron Jackson Jr. on the Grizzly side, 21 points. Dylan Brooks, 21 points. Both of those guys had four fouls. Maybe that has something to do with it. John Morant, 23 points. But the team only shot 28.6% from three. That's not going to get it done if you're going to want to beat a team like the Jazz. On to the 1st of June. That's awesome, by the way. Happy June, everyone. The Celtics lost to the Nets 123-109. to um, The Nets beat the Celtics four games to one, and they advance to the second round to face the Bucks. Um and I'm just starting to get more and more convinced that the big three is the real deal. They only played eight games in the regular season, or something like that. can't really remember. I think it's eight games. Not quite sure. But you know, a whole bunch of different problems. You can't really play more than eight games together if you have James Harden going to strip club, Kyrie trying to solve if the 
Earth is flat, and then Katie doing God knows what, maybe posting from his burner somewhere. But that doesn't really matter when they're dropping good stat lines every night. Katie, 24 points. Kyrie, 25. Harden, 34 points. And then 10 rebounds, 10 assists to add on to that as well. Team shot 51% from the field, 47% from three. That's going to get it done against most teams in the league. On the other side, Jason Tatum continued his good run of form in this series. 32 points, 12 for 27 from the field, but his team only shot 26.5 from three. Again, tough to get anything done when you can't shoot the ball from three in this day and age. But the biggest story of the night was most definitely the Nuggets and the Trailblazers game. This is quite possibly, I'm not even going to say quite possibly, this is the best playoff game that I've ever seen. And Maybe I'm young and I'm biased in that way, but this was ridiculous. Nuggets beat Trailblazers 147 to 140 in double overtime, and my God, is Damian Lillard good? Like that was a performance of the ages, man. Dame drops 55, and his team still doesn't win. He tried to pull them up from the brink of hell itself. He didn't manage to fully do it but man you have to respect him for that he that was ridiculous performance and i think he may have put himself in the conversation for most clutch player most clutch active player i'm not sure who else would go there um probably lebron but recent performance hasn't backed that up um also not to mention Another piece of Dame news this week, he got teammate of the year, which I can see why. If you're going to score 55 and lose, you're probably going to have to have a good attitude about it. Portland side of the ball, Dame 55, like I said. Covington had 19, CJ had 18. Um, Dame shot 70%, and then the rest of the starting five shot 38%. That's that's really unfortunate if you're Dame and you get to the bench and you're like, I'm shooting my ass off over here and you guys aren't getting anything done. That's unfortunate. And then CJ McCollum trying to win the game or maybe not win the game, but this was a little bit before the Nuggets scored a couple more baskets near the end of the game to really finish it off. And CJ just not a great shot. We'll just move past that so we don't have to talk about him. MPJ, though, 26 points, 12 rebounds, 10 for 13 shooting. That's great. Jokic, 38 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists. He's dropped 30, I think it's more than 30 points every game in this series. And then Monte Morris really showed up when it mattered. 28 points for him. Great on him. Coming off the bench, too. Not starting player minutes. And then last game of the night was kind of, um, let's just say, more disappointing than that. The Suns beat the Lakers 115-85. to And my big brain conclusion from this is that the Lakers are bad without AD. They needed vintage LeBron to really spark something. They didn't get him, um, which hurt, but he also had absolutely no help. He had 24 points on the night, but the rest of the starting five shot 17%. The, a, start, a starting NBA lineup, four of your five guys shooting 17% is just ridiculous. I feel... I. No, I won't say that I feel bad for LeBron because I can't bring myself to feel bad for LeBron, but I was considering it for a second, and maybe that's the best he'll get. Um, on the Suns side, Devin Booker, 30 points. Again, another player who's popping off in the series. 
13 for 23. Cameron Payne's respectable 16 points, but no one else really stood out. Just a good team performance from the Suns. On the second, this was yesterday, Wednesday, the Wizards finally went down to the 76ers, 129 to 112. Um, Sixers close out that series 4-1 to one over the Wizards, and the Sixers are just a better team. I think we all knew that. I think we all expected to sweep, honestly. Didn't get that before 4-1 to one is close enough. I There's not much to say about this, honestly, because when you have Bradley Beal dropping 32, Russell Westbrook dropping 24 points, 10 assists, even if he is shooting 7 for 20, and then the team shooting 49.4%, and you lose by 17, there's not a huge amount more that you guys can do as, like, a team. Seth Curry had 30 points, 10 for 17 shooting, Tobias Harris, 28 points, and then Ben Simmons, 19 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. It's a good 76ers team, man. I wouldn't be surprised if they went a bit further in the playoffs. Next game of the day, Hawks 103, Knicks 89. And all I've got to say about this is that the Knicks are mediocre, man. They aren't aren't good. Aren't they're just not. Nope. 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 And they have a free agency period coming up where they have quite a few guys leaving in or maybe not necessarily leaving in free agency, but they're up for free agency. And this could be a really pivotal pivot why did I add an extra syllable? Don't know. Pivotal year for the Knicks. They need to act well if they're going to be able to capture any of what they had this year um a real task for tom thibodeau 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 god i can't talk right now um to see if he can actually pull this team back together and make it further in the playoffs than this year because this year was not pretty they looked good in the end of the regular season but i saw something that said the knicks did good in the regular season by playing harder than anyone else and then the playoffs they're harder than anyone else is just normal and they didn't have another gear to kick into um and i think that describes it perfectly and when you don't have when you have julius randall not showing up as much as he needs it's going to be tough um mip not most improved player but rather missing in the playoffs tough for him i'm sure he can bounce back next year Trey had 36 points, 10 for 28 shooting, 3 for 11 from 3. So he didn't have a great shooting performance, yet he still had the the swag, the swag about him to bow to MSG after knocking off their precious Knicks. And man, it's funny to see how pissed off these Knicks fans are at Trey. It, your team goes down in five games and they have the audacity to be pissed off. If I was a Knicks fan, I'd just sit down quietly knowing my team just got the like they just got wiped on the floor by Trey Young single-handedly. Clint Capella, 14 points, 15 rebounds. Good game from him playing his role, plus 21, um, plus or minus. And then Julius Randle is the first game he's really actually showed up. 23 points, 13 rebounds. R.J. Barrett, 17 points, but team shot 37.8% from the field. That's just not good enough. Next game of the day, Grizzlies and Jazz. The Jazz beat the Grizzlies 126 to 110. Um the Grizzlies didn't play terrible, and I mean they haven't really played terrible all year, but when you play a team the caliber of the Jazz, you 
it's just not going to necessarily be possible to do fantastic against them. A good defensive team is going to be able to knock or lock down your good guys to a certain amount, but then score better than you when you have Donovan Mitchell dropping 30. Dylan Brooks had 27 points. John Morant also 27 with 11 assists. Jonas Valanciunas, 18 points, 8 for 13 from the field. But like I said, Spida Mitchell, 30 points, 10 assists, 11 for 16. Then Rudy Gobert, 23 points, 15 rebounds, and the team shooting 51.6%. It's a good Jazz team. Um, I definitely doubted them going into this series and then them losing the first game like kind of backed up what I was thinking, but I don't think I can think that much more anymore um, as they advance to the second round after this 4-1 series win against the Grizzlies. And then last game, the last game of the day was the Mavericks and the Clippers. Mavericks 105, Clippers 100. And I just like seeing the Clippers lose because I can make fun of them as much as I want. Clippers are the Clippers. Um, Yeah, I like seeing them lose. I don't know why, but I guess it's just the team that everyone loves to cheer against in the NBA. Um, I thought that Luka shot too much in the game, and he did too. Post-game press conference, he was like, oh yeah, my bad. He did drop 42 points, though, so I think he kind of gets a pass there. 42 points, 14 assists, 17 for 37. Yeah, that's a bit yikes. Tim Hardaway, 20 points as well. Team shot 41.6% from the field. I'd say a big portion of that was Luka's shooting. Um, but if you win, it doesn't really matter in the long run. Paul George, 23 points. Kawhi, 20. Reggie Jackson, 20. Marcus Morris, 16. Team shot 41.3%. Here's the thing about PG and Kawhi. You see the guys like Luka dropping 42 and Trey dropping 36. Bradley Beal even dropping 32. And, and even tonight, we'll get to this in a sec, Devin Booker dropping like 46. You just don't see those performances from PG and Kawhi. And maybe it's because they have other guys who can do it, like Reggie Jackson dropping 20. But if they're going to do something, then they're going to need to step up scoring-wise. Like, that's a big deal. And if they're not going to do it, that's why they're not going anywhere in the playoffs. Um, Moving on to the third, we had the Nuggets and the Trailblazers series wrap-up. Wait, no. That's not a wrap-up, was it? I don't No, it was. Yeah. Nuggets end up winning series 4 to 2 after beating the Trailblazers tonight 126 to 115. Um obviously got to give credit to Dame this postseason this first round. He only had I say only had, which is ridiculous, 28 points tonight, 3 for 11 from 3. So not the best shooting performance especially after game five where he shot the lights out played his heart out um but he deserves all the respect from all the fans this is why he has nba teammate of the year he plays like this on the field on the court rather which i can see why his teammates like him and then if he brings the positivity that he has on the court even when they're down if he brings that off the court i can see why he gets teammate of the year um major respect to dame he put his heart on the line. Um, unfortunate that they couldn't get it happen, but this Nuggets team is still tough, even without Jamal Murray. Um, Jokic had 36 points, 13 for 22 um, from the field. 
I didn't expect this from him after he had a slow first quarter. Um, luckily, they have MPJ, who had 26 points, 10 for 19. But he had something like 17 in the first quarter, I think. So he did severely slow down after that. But that doesn't matter as they end up winning by 11. Team shot 51.2%, 44.1% from three. Um like I said, Nuggets win 4-2, to two, advance to the second round. They'll be playing the Suns, who tonight, just a couple minutes ago, finished up against the, the Lakers, won 113-100. to 100. And the biggest takeaway I have from this game is that Frank Vogel needs to not zip up his jacket all the way. Like, he has this thing zipped up to the neck, and then he looks, he looks like he's way too, like, claustrophobic in that. He looks like he's if he gets too mad about a call, the zipper is going to pop off because he's, like, blowing a gasket. It looks like if it gets too hot in the room, he might just pass out. I was was seriously worried for him, so thank God they're not in the playoffs anymore so that he can maybe go get some new jackets fitted. Um, but like I said earlier, first time since 2010 finals. First time, yeah, since 2010 that we won't see Steph or LeBron in the finals. Um and really, the Lakers and Lakers fans needed LeBron to be superhuman, needed a vintage LeBron performance. And even though he did have 29 points, he you can't just ask him to drop 50 and 15 rebounds and 12 assists when the Lakers are in a tough position. This is, I think this is monumental in the timeline of LeBron because we can see him getting older. I know he didn't have any help. I will I will put my hand up and say that. But it's just tough to see LeBron get older because you can tell cuz he's not being able to do the explosive performances that he used to be able to do. It used to almost be a lock that when he was in an elimination game you just pick that his team because you were sure that he was going to pull through tonight i wasn't sure at all i predicted the suns were gonna win this game not to toot my own horn or anything but i'm practically perfect at knowing who's gonna win because i know sports or i guess i don't um that's debatable but it's just he's just not that guy anymore in terms of single-handedly dropping 50 and carrying his team past a full team. Devin Booker, like I said, 47 points, 11 rebounds, 15 for 22, 8 for 10 from 3. When you have a guy shooting like that on the other side of the ball, you don't have much hope in beating that team. The Suns shot 50% from the field and 51% from 3. That's awesome. I always love when that happens. Suns shot great played defense when they needed to absolutely awesome lebron like i said 29 points 11 for 26 dennis schroeder schroeder had 20 points and i think kcp had 21 not quite sure um team shot 41 percent and 28.6 percent from three uh it's just so weird being in this position an elimination game and you're saying lebron gets out in the first round Suns beat Lakers 4-2, to advanced to play the Nuggets. Let's move on to some NHL, because we saw 
a bunch of games this week. And we'll start with where we need to start with the Canadians. Sorry, Canadians and the Maple Leafs. Because the Maple Leafs are... I feel bad for Maple Leafs fans. They were up 3-1 to one in the series. And they let the Canadians win two games. Even 3-3. Three to three, And then this game. Canadians 3, Maple Leafs 1. Maple Leafs out of playoffs again. And that's tough for them. This is... 54 years now, Stanley Cup drought for the Maple Leafs. And then the Canadians will advance to play the Jets. They win the series 4-3. to Third star in the game, William Nylander for Toronto, one goal. Second star, Brendan Gallagher for Montreal, one goal. And then first star, deservedly so, Carey Price, Montreal. 30 saves, .968 save percentage. He played amazing. I have plenty of respect for goalies in the first place because of their reaction speed and them reacting when they need to to get the puck because half the time I can't even see where the puck is going but he played out of his mind other game of the day Islanders and Bruins Islanders four Bruins three in overtime this is there's been two games since this one but this series is awesome I really like this series and I hope it goes seven games because it it's fun to watch and the two other games that happened since then have been fun to watch as well. Um, the Bruins went down 3-1. to one. They scored first in the first period, and then the Islanders scored three in the second period. Then the Bruins scored twice in the third period to pull it back 3-3, and then only to lose in the overtime, which is difficult. It's like you pull it back so far, and then for what? Third star, Patrice Bergeron for Boston, one goal. Second, Brad Marchand. For Boston, one goal, one assist. And then first star, Casey Sezikis for the Islanders, one goal, which was the game-winning goal, the breakaway goal in overtime. On the first, we only saw one game, Lightning and Hurricanes. Lightning two, Hurricanes one. And then with this game, the Lightning go up 2-0 to zero with the help from Vasilevsky. Um, he's a really good goalkeeper, and this is a really good team. Third star, Andrei Svechnikov for Carolina, one goal. Second star, Anthony Sorelli for Tampa Bay, another one goal for him. And then first star, Andre Vasilevsky, Tampa Bay, 31 saves, .969 save percentage. He's good. I like him. On the second, Canadians-Jets. This was an interesting game. This was kind of controversial game. So the score is 4-3. to three. The Jets have an empty net. They're trying to get that equalizing score, equalizing goal. And the puck gets hit all the way down. Jake Evans for the Canadians comes to collect it. Um, it gets hit and it's behind the net. And Jake Evans gets it, tries to like come around the side of the net and score on the open goal. And he does so. But like a split second after he releases the puck from his stick, Mark Sh- uh, Shifley like decks him and it didn't look bad from Shifley but it didn't look like he was trying to hurt him it to me honestly I know everyone's split about this or I guess fans are saying Shifley get out of the league but I it to me it just looked like he was trying to it looked like he was trying to keep his team in it they're only down one there's 50 seconds left in the game the game is still very much so alive, 
and it looks like he's trying to make it so that the Canadians don't get a game-clinching goal, which obviously they do. But I think for a lot of people in that situation, anyone else would do that. I don't think that... And also, recently, today, it came out that Shifley is suspended for four games for... They called it charging and game misconduct. Is He got a major five minutes in that game as well for that, which... 50 seconds left, five-minute major. Cool. But I, I just don't agree with it. I think one game at most to make a point out of him to the fans, but to like show the fans that they hear them and all this nonsense. But I don't think it's a dirty hit. I think if Evans doesn't get injured from that hit, then no one else has a problem with it. I think they're chilling and they're like, awesome, great hit. I think, honestly... Then you see that clip on Twitter forever, and they're like, look at this great hit from Shifley. I, I, it's unfortunate that Evans got injured. Thoughts and prayers up to him. I hope he can recover fully and quickly. But I don't think four games for Shifley is the right way to go about it. Third star for the game, Josh Morrissey. For Winnipeg, one assist. Second star was Ben Sherrott. For Montreal, first star was Carey Price. Again, man, this guy's good. For Montreal, 27 saves, .900 save percentage. Next game of the day was Golden Knights and Avalanche, which went to OT. This was a lot closer than their first game. Golden Knights end up losing to Avalanche um, 3-2 in overtime. And this team, this Colorado team, is very good. And Nathan McKinnon is as good as any of them. This guy is fast. He just looks like he's so much better than everyone at any given time maybe like the first game was a bigger example of this but he set up the um game winning goal for for uh shoot what's his name where is his miko rontanen um game winning assists and obviously game winning goal to miko rontanen who ends up with second star um third star kale mccarr for colorado one assist and then first star, deservingly so, Philip Grubauer for Colorado, 39 saves, .951 save percentage. I just think this Avalanche team can't be beaten. And I say this, obviously, with them having just been beaten tonight by the Golden Knight. Or was that tonight? No, that's my prediction for later. Good lord, I'm all over the place. I don't think they can be beaten, the Avalanche, in a series, but I do think that going back to Vegas, that the Golden Knights do have a chance of picking up one. Um, it'll be interesting to see, but I think Avalanche in five is a smart prediction. On the third, which was today, we saw the Bruins beat the Islanders 2-1. to one. And like I said, man, this is a great series. I love watching hockey, playoff hockey between Boston and New York, and especially games like this, not just because it's Boston, New York, Bruins, Islanders, but because these are two good teams who fight it out. This means the Bruins are up in the series 2-1, to one, just like their score. Um, and I, I know that Sorokin didn't do good when they first lost to the Bruins, but I don't know why they ever turned away from him. I think the Islanders are going to end up losing this series because they're so, they're so, they don't, they're not going to focus on one goaltender. 
they're not just going to commit to one as soon as one does a single bad thing they're going to go to the other one and Varlamov did have a great game this game third star with 39 saves and .951 save percentage for the Islanders but I just think you got to stick with one whether it's Sorokin or Varlamov I think you've got to stick with one second star goes to Brad Marchand for Boston one goal and then the first star goes to Tuka Rask or Rask sorry um, for Boston 28 saves .966 save percentage he played great as well um we're seeing a lot of goalies end up in the stars, and deservingly so. These guys are really, <laughs> really not trying to be the butt of the jokes, the butt of the blame for their team letting up the goals. It's been a, quite a few good performances from goalies, except for this um, Hurricanes-Lightning game. The lightning goaltender I can't remember his name right now kind of you would think that he would save some of the shots which he did obviously but you would think that he could save some more of them um as I'm mentioning it then I'll just finish off hurricanes three lightning two in overtime um that means Tampa Bay still leads the series but only two to one this would could have been a massive game for the lightning if they win they go up three zero um, on their home ice, trying to close it out, trying to sweep the Hurricanes in the second round. That would have been ridiculous, going to the third round with a sweep under your belt against a team who isn't bad, but that didn't happen. So here we are, third star, Braden Point for Tampa Bay, one goal, one assist. Second, Peter Mrazek for Carolina, 35 saves, .946 save percentage, and then first star, Sebastian Ajo, for Carolina, one goal, two assists. Um, the Lightning did get two power play goals, though, quite soon after one another, and those were those were good. They play, they play well in power play, and I know we didn't see that necessarily in the first two games, but it looks like they've improved that a bit. We'll move on to just some more news some smaller points we'll start with brad stevens because we've seen that danny ainge is retiring and brad stevens is being promoted from coach to president of the celtics which is reportedly ainge's decision but it still feels odd to me i don't really like it because i don't think stevens stevens is only like 46 i don't think he has all of those qualifications if you're getting down and dirty with it, that make a good president for the for a basketball team. And he isn't the most decorated coach either, which makes me question it a bit more. Um, Stephen A. Smith brought up the point of skin color and having to do with it, and I, <laughs> I would have to agree with him because it feels odd that he's just getting this handed to him. But we'll move on next to Coach K. He has announced that he's retiring at the end of next season. So we'll do a quick peek back into his career, his 45-year career, 1,170 career wins, which is, of course, most of all time, 12 Final Four appearances, tied most of all time. And then he has 15 30-win seasons, which is the most in Division One NCAA basketball. 
517 ACC wins, which is the league record, five national championships, which is only behind legendary John Wooden, who has 10, that's untouchable, and then 41 first-round picks, which is the most of the all-active coaches. A great career for him. It's cool to see him finally retire definitely end of an era but I also think that if his team doesn't do good next year I I fully expect him to come back the year after that it just doesn't seem like he'll be able to retire on a bad season moving into MLB now because we barely talk baseball so let's give us some airtime um tonight actually we saw Fernando Tatis Jr. join Ronald Acuna Jr. and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., loss of juniors, on the top of the home run charts of the MLB with 17 home runs each. Um, I don't know, just fun fact. Young talent is doing great. They're ridiculous in a season where we've seen apparently a lot of ball doctoring and low batting averages and high strikeout rates. We'll get to that next we're still seeing these guys rake and it'll be interesting to see how good they turn out to be because they are good right now and definitely the future of the game i believe um the mlb has decided to finally start cracking down on some banned substances this stems from an owner's meeting recently where they've discussed ball doctoring and how that's prevalent and because there's been a whole bunch of claims since like late March or or May rather that there's so many pitchers who are doing this and it's obvious and the MLB isn't doing anything about it so they've decided to come out with some more crackdowns I guess is the best way of saying it um more threatens of actually acting against pitchers who are caught doctoring the ball um we've seen a whole bunch of claims obviously because the lowest batting average and highest strikeout rate in league history so far and there's been plenty of of examples of guys with dark spots on their hats or their gloves or whatever it's they're getting more and more audacious as the years go on and i think it's finally time to do something about it and i like that they're actually trying to get it out because i think this is I don't think this is bad for the game. I know this is bad for the game. At least when it was PEDs, they're hitting the ball far, right? But I think that if no-hitters continue to go up, the amount of no-hitters, I think that's bad for the sport. Um, Maybe odd to say, but no one at this point wants to see a no-hitter. That's just not as entertaining. The USFL is coming back, United States Football League, coming back spring 2022, minimum of eight teams. It is, however, staying in the spring as off-season football instead of trying to challenge the NFL again, because last time we saw that, they went out of business. Um, Interesting to see how this will work, because I remember we saw the XFL. That didn't last very long. I did think it was cool, but I think that was mainly due to COVID costs and financial difficulties with COVID. Um, speaking of which, we will see likely the XFL returning in 2022 as well because The Rock bought it. So interesting to look out for those two leagues in 2022. Um, it would be awesome to see smaller leagues set up as almost a minor league for the NFL. Next, we'll 
move on to Johnny Manziel because he's kind of been the talk recently because he's admitted that he sold autographs in college, but he also said maybe this was just covering his butt after the fact. He said he didn't take a single dollar before accepting the Heisman, which maybe isn't believable because he also said it netted him $33,000. And if you're a college student, you're probably not going to turn down getting real money as soon as possible. And I think this is just a scumbag move overall, maybe not to Johnny Manziel particularly, because this shows that the NCAA isn't doing any type of a good job of maybe not protecting their players, but providing them with what they need to survive on a college campus, because maybe some of them are getting paid, but we'll ignore that for right now. But if you're making it so these guys have to sell their autographs just to try to live at least a little bit more comfortably, that's ridiculous. I also do think going for Johnny Manziel here, I don't like selling your autograph in the first place regardless of who you are. I think if someone wants your autograph, they show enough humility to you that you should just be able to give them an autograph. It, it Maybe it's yes or no, but I don't think you should have to pay for that. Um, let's talk some women's, women's College World Series because James Madison, unranked James Madison in their first Women's College World Series, upset the number one seed Oklahoma in the opening game 4-3 to three in 8 innings. This was ridiculous. I, I am shocked. Good on James Madison. That's huge. Um, Oklahoma now goes to the lower bracket. They have, this is double elimination bracket, so they have no more chances. If they lose another, they're out of the tournament. But they're not out of the tournament yet. And I saw a bunch of their players reacting like they lost the national championship. Or like reacting like they're out of the tournament completely. I don't get that. Like get your head in the game, man. You're still in the tournament. You still have a chance to win the national championship. Get your head in the game. Final congrats to James Madison. First Women's College World Series. Huge knockoff the number one seed. We'll wrap up with a little bit of men's soccer from the United States and Memorial Tournament golf action before heading into best and worst of the week. Um, Colin Morikawa leads the Memorial Tournament, but it is he is he's six under. He's all the way through his first round, but other guys aren't because weather delays like rain and lightning and all that fun stuff paused it and suspended it for the day. Bryson DeChambeau's only through three holes. Rory McIlroy's only through two holes. We'll see how that pans out. But Colm Morikawa, six under for the first day, pretty solid. On the U.S. men's national team front, we saw the U.S. men's national team finally win a game against Honduras in the CONCACAF Nations Cup semifinal. They advanced to the finals against Mexico on an 89th minute goal. This final, by the way, is on Sunday, I believe. So tune into that. See the U.S. boys probably lose in the final, which is tough. Um, but winning could probably give some good confidence ahead of the World Cup qualifiers that are in the fall. We'll move on to best and worst of the week, um, which is a good time to bring up new schedule new way that i'm going to be doing this so best and worst of the week is usually going to be on sunday so i can recap the whole week and what's actually the best and worst of the whole week rather than just a couple of days 
I have a couple new segments that I'm going to be thrown in here. A couple which are bad takes, bad beats, um, and then one that I did last week as well, which is this week in sports history. So bad takes and bad beats will be on two or Thursdays, and then this week in sports history will be on Thursday. Kind of looking at Tuesday and thir- or Tuesday and Monday in sport in sports history, and then previewing the rest of the week. But best and worst of the week, best of the week, Naomi Osaka. Um, this has been a big story of the week already. French Open. Basically, she said she didn't want to do some media with the press after her matches because she has stress and anxiety and depression mental health problems that stem from that and let's just cut it off right there because if someone says that to you in pretty much any situation you're probably going to go along with that and be like oh yeah sorry I didn't didn't realize that that's what you're going through I apologize of course you cannot do this French Open of course being some pretentious tennis people are saying oh no i don't think so at all and then they find her and threaten to throw her out she basically called the bluff and said nah you guys are being annoying i'm out either way you aren't gonna kick me out because i'm just gonna be out and she withdrew from the event um kind of a badass move from her good on her best wishes to you naomi get your mental health right that's huge Good on you for standing up for that. That's awesome. Um, But worst of the week, of course, correlates completely French Open and tennis world. This just annoys me so much. I hate these people already. I don't know them, but I hate them. Because if someone explains to you, like I just said, that they have bad mental health, you're really going to stop and say, we don't care. Do the media. That's just so annoying, man. And then... They threatened to throw her out if she didn't. And then the tennis, I don't even know what it's called because no one watches tennis in the first place. The tennis, like, majors as a whole threatened to, like, not allow her into other majors if she didn't do the media, which is so ridiculously convoluted that you're going to take her out of future tournaments if she doesn't do post-match interviews. These post-match interviews, which are the same every time, by the way, I don't think people have realized that yet, that after every single game, match, whatever sport it is, it's the same message. If you win, you're going to be like, oh yeah, great that I won, looking forward to the next game. And if you lose, it's going to be like, oh yeah, sucks that I lost, I didn't do this right, I'm going to go train and then get better for the next game. It's the same exact thing. You don't need people to be there and do that media every time, especially if they're saying that they have mental health problems. That's just one more shame on you for the French Open. Let's move on to bad takes. Now, I don't have a real, I don't have a whole big amount of bad takes or bad beats this week because it's the first week doing it. I'll work on some others as the week goes on for next week, but my one bad take for this week is of course me because how else could I do this except for me um I tweeted out earlier this week that the Suns don't look like a two seed because their series against the seven seed even if it is the Lakers was taking longer than needed and it they didn't look like a super strong two seed um especially compared to the Nets and 
I think I've gotten proven wrong um, quite easily. So I'll gladly say that that was a bad take for me. Um, and then the jury is still out on whether or not I've said that the Canadians are a bad team. Um, and if they're going to prove me wrong, because I said the Jets are going to beat them. So still crossing my fingers for that one. That one could come back to bite me for next week of bad takes. Moving on to bad beats. Um, the Nuggets um, ha- had... There was one where it was Nuggets to win by 7-9. to nine. And, of course, they win by 11 points on two late-game free throws in a situation where no one needed to be fouled, in a situation where no one needed to foul someone else. So that's a great way to end the game, especially if you had that 7-9 win, plus 1,200, by the way. So that's tough, very tough. Some previews for the next couple days before Sunday, the NBA on the 4th. Tomorrow we'll see the Clippers at Mavericks. I'll take the Mavericks. Um, on the 5th, we see Bucks at Nets. Well, I'm going to take the Nets. I'm a bit less confident about this because I think the Bucks have had plenty of time to prepare. But I'll still take the Nets because I think the Big 3 has gotten rolling enough and they're just going to sweep up everyone in their way. On the 6th, we have the Hawks and 76ers. I'll take the 76ers here. I think the Hawks did do a good showing against the Knicks in the first round, but I think the 76ers are a completely different beast. I think 76ers win this game easily. And then, of course, the Mavericks at Clippers, if necessary. I don't think this game will be necessary. Of course, the Clippers have to win the game tomorrow to make this game necessary, but if it does happen, I think Mavericks win it. Um, Mavericks win one out of two of those games. Obviously, if they win the first, they don't need the second. But I think they win one of those two and advance to the next round. Series-wise, series-wise we'll look at Nuggets and Suns. I like the Suns in seven because the Nuggets did look a bit weaker without Jamal Murray. And I think the Suns are coming off a good series win. And I think they could pull it off, but this one's the most up in the air for me. 76ers, Hawks, I'm taking 76ers in five. Might be a bit bold, maybe go to six. Um, But I like 76ers. And then Nets and Bucks, I like Nets in six. Moving on to NHL, on the fourth, we have two. The Canadians at Jets, I like the Jets. Um, This is definitely one that's going to come back to bite me because I'm not confident with saying the Jets in any of these games. And then the Avalanche at the Golden Knights. Again, another one I'm not confident with. I'll take the Golden Knights specifically because they're going back to Vegas. And I think if they have a high chance to pick up any of these games and not just get swept, it's their first game back home. I think they can go, obviously lose two games in Colorado, Avalanche up 2-0, go back to Vegas, win one game, Avalanche still up 2-1, and then the Avalanche win the second game in Vegas up 3-1, then go back to Colorado and win it 4-1. I think that's probably the way it goes. Um, The fifth, Hurricanes at Lightning. I'll take the Lightning. Even though the Hurricanes did win an OT here, I think second game in Tampa, the Lightning are just good. And I think they bounce back from what might be a little bit of an embarrassing game, and I think they win, go to 
the next game maybe go to game five game six close it out there i'll take i uh lightning and then bruins islanders this one's tough because i want the islanders to win just extend the series but the bruins obviously are good but going back to new york i think mm, i think i'll have to go with the islanders or it's not going back to New York, is it? They're already in New York, isn't that right? I'm not quite sure, but we'll just pretend that I know what I'm talking about in regards to sports. Um, and then the sixth, Jets at Canadians. I'll take Canadians here. I think fourth and sixth, Jets and Canadians, two games. I think those are flip-flop. I think it goes 1-1 one, one either way. Um, and then Avalanche at Golden Knights. I'll take the Avalanche here on the sixth. I kind of think the same here, but maybe less so, because if the Avalanche win Game 3, I think high possibility that they win Game 4 as well and just sweep that the Golden Knights. Um, going on to series, Avalanche-Golden Knights, I think Avalanche in 5 at the most. Jets-Canadians, I'll still back the Jets. Jets in 7. Um, and then Bruins-Islanders, Again, I'll back the Islanders. I think it'll end up being the Bruins, but my pride is getting to me. Islanders in seven. Lightning Hurricanes. I'll take Lightning in six. And then another new segment to round out the show. We have a new segment called Cooper's Locks. I'll give you a couple picks for the next couple of days. I call them locks, but that's just to make it sound cool. Um, most definitely. These are probably better advertised if i say do not at any cost do what i tell you to do doing the opposite of these is probably the best idea um so we'll start this off i'll do a couple every show and see how it goes we can keep like a running tally or something on the fourth i have some basketball i like the mavs the mavericks plus 120 money line versus the clippers I don't think the Clippers are the better team in this series. I think Mavericks end up winning the series, and this is a big game for them as well. Mavericks being the underdog here, that's a good payout to me. Um, the fifth, we have both basketball and hockey action, starting with the Islanders versus the Bruins. I like the Islanders here as well, kind of Clippers-Mavericks deal. Islanders plus 122 versus the Bruins, I think is if there's a strong game for the Islanders to pick up, it's this one coming off a bad loss against the Bruins. I like this price as well. The fifth as well, basketball, Bucks Nets. I'm not completely convinced to take the spread, to take the Nets spread, but I do think both these teams scoring the ball, that's going to happen a bunch. I wouldn't be surprised to see two out of the three big three on the nets play all 12 minutes in the first quarter if not all three and then Giannis as well um i'm saying bucks nets first quarter over 59 points and that's going to be it for this show i'll see you back here on sunday um thanks for listening this far let me know what you think about new format have a great couple days have a great rest of your week